You are welcome to the Niger Filmmaker, a podcast about Nigerian filmmakers, their films, and how we can build a diverse and functional industry. I'm your host, Selegot. On this episode, my guest is Michael Monua, a director and writer. He's a member of the Sorry 16 Collective and has made several films, including Rehasa, The Man Who Cut Tattoos, and Love Potion, a part of the Juju Stories Anthology. We talk about his early short films, his latest project, Galatians, and the Sorrow 16 Film Festival. If you're a new listener, you're welcome and I hope you enjoy. Hi, Michael. You're welcome to the Niger Filmmaker. Hey, how are you doing? I'm doing all right. So can you introduce yourself? Yeah, sure. Um, my name is Michael Omoniwa. Um, I am a film director based in Lagos, Nigeria. Okay. Um, so tell us, um, when did you start making films? Or when did your, what was your earliest fascination with films? Okay, uh, a couple of questions. Um, uh, my earliest fascination with films, uh, I guess you could say was watching um, Bruce Lee. Um, I remember distinctly being very young, um, watching Game of Death, uh, yeah. Big Boss, The Big Boss, and uh, wanting to be a martial artist. It wasn't necessarily wanting to be like a filmmaker. It was like, oh, you know, doing press-ups while watching. Um, I was a big, big Bruce Lee fan. Um, uh, and then just watching a lot of rented uh, videos from uh, Blockbuster, I think, or whatever rental house they got them from. My brothers um, would, re- would, my older ones would rent movies, um, Chucky, that type of stuff. Um, yeah, and my sort of earliest experiences with filmmaking uh, was, I guess, in um, secondary school, maybe. Uh, 14 years old, I'd say, um, we sort of picked up a camera, um, would shoot stuff around the school. Uh, I think we made one short film, you know, we'd all act and um, act in them and would do the camera work in them. Um, and I think uh, one of my friends, he had a computer, he got like a bootleg version of Premiere. We had no idea how yeah. to use it. Um, but yeah, that, I guess that's when the journey started. Okay. So was it was it you that was like shooting the stuff before you like edited with your friend's computer? Yes and no. Um we you know the, I think there was one film that we made where it was another friend who directed and shot it. I was just I remember acting in it with another friend. It was like a uh, shoot 'em up type film like, like an action like a sort of 90s Hong Kong type shoot thing. Um uh, yeah, so that, that one I acted in, and I think there was another one we shot. I can't remember what the hell it was about, um, but I, I think I did a lot more camera work in that one, and that one was never actually edited. The action film is actually probably floating around somewhere, you know, in someone's VHS, but yeah, I haven't seen that in, yeah, I don't know where that is, but it's around. Yeah. Um, what was your first film? What was your first film about? The first film I directed was probably um, 
That's a hard one. Uh, I've directed a lot of stuff. I, I made a film in I made a film uh, around London. Um, was um, at uh, when I went to study film production. I think that's probably when I started making films properly, yeah. um, or at least I t- attempted to make them properly with like crews and stuff. Um, so yeah, I think that's where it was. But I, I know like I, I shot stuff around with like my friends around London as well, like we'll get a camera and we'll just shoot stuff. Um, but outside of uh, university in, in, in my studies, um, uh, as soon as I finished, graduated, I was like shooting stuff almost immediately. You know, I think within like six months, I, I made my first short, short film. Yeah. Um, yeah, so that was a short film called The Contest. Um, so yeah, I think that was the first one I made outside of like university and stuff just some uni friends came together we you know put a call out for actors didn't have any money and just yeah we shot something okay what was your learning curve on that first film I mean you you studied a bit of like film production and video production at uni um but how was that experience of actually making the film what did you realize quite early learned a lot of lessons um, um, I remember it was supremely cold, um, and it was like an all out, it was like an outdoor shoot and would like stood outside, um, for a really, really long time. Um, but what did I learn? Uh, I think I learned mostly during the edit, you know, um, when, once I got it onto my computer and started trying to put things together, just like you learn about what's missing what you may have too much of. I think I shot a lot of stuff in close-up, you know, um, yeah. and without even necessarily knowing, it wasn't until I got to the edit and I was like, oh, I'm going to punch out a bit. And I was like, okay, I don't actually have that material. Um, so yeah, maybe just a little bit more about coverage and knowing and trying and just kind of understanding what, you, you know, you need to get on set. Okay. And um, I think I read somewhere that you have directed about 11 short films. I think I may have shot more than 11 short films, to be honest with you. Um, I've um, shot stuff that's actually, I don't think there are actual copies of the stuff. You know, they've like just gone missing, you know, Um, uh, disappeared or I've lost a hard drive with the copy of that film. When I shot a, a film in London, after the uh, um, uh, train bombings, the terrorist bombings, um, uh, um, I shot I shot a short film, La Jete style, like just these, um, it was gonna be like these black and white still frames um, with a voiceover running through it. And it was going to be about the people who, um, because they closed the underground that day and every, you know people had to walk like really long distances to get home. So it was just yeah. gonna be about, about um, uh, uh, a couple of guys who just took a long, you know, the long walk home, uh, so to speak. And I had my friends who were walking around, you know, we, we were trekking across East London and uh, I was just like videoing them. And I, then I cut it together and I got a voiceover and yeah, but yeah, that film's missing. But I've done a bunch of stuff. I think I've made more than 11 if I was, if I was to count it. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I think 11 or more short films is a lot. Like not many people you know, have that many short films. But for you, like, what do you get out of, you know, shooting these short films? Is it a way for you to explore certain topics before 
you know, maybe making a feature? Like, what do you, what do you get from making shorts? Um, well, there's, there's different kinds of shorts. Um, I, um, the one I just described is something that's like zero budget. It's more just like a creative exercise. It's almost like the artist who has a sketchbook, you know, and just yeah. does like doodles almost. Um, so that's how I see a lot of the stuff I do. It's like on as, you know, a smaller scale as possible. You know, the first like legitimate short I probably did was rehearsal okay. know, where I actually had like a full on crew. I actually really got a, you know, a top DP. I really went hard location scouting and, and trying to put it together. So I think that's probably the special film I did. And, you know, the, the industry here is very different from the industry in Europe. You know, here it's just make a feature film, you know, yeah. write a feature and make a feature, you know, you don't have, you know, but in, in Europe, it, you have to kind of go through um, that process of making shorts because the barriers to entry are so much higher, yeah. you know, um, it's, it's so much more difficult to do anything. So if you're trying to get a feature off the ground, people want to see what you have because the competition's a lot uh, greater, you know? And so I, I guess I still have a lot of that in me and I I, I'm, I forever believe that craft-wise, um, you know, I, I'm not quite there. You know, I, I guess now I do feel um, a little more comfortable confident in my abilities, you know, because I'm, I've had that kind of, um, I've, I've spent a long while sort of trying to cultivate a voice first and foremost. Yeah. And, and secondly, I, I, I've been able to sort of figure things out and make mistakes on these very tiny, small scale projects. Um, and, and just learn a lot as a filmmaker to the point where I, I, I guess I know what I don't want. So, yeah. Okay. How easy has it been, you know, through all this exploration and experimental, like, projects here and there, how easy has it been to, you know, kind of nurture your, your artistic voice from those experiences? Um, well, for one, I don't feel, I feel like every filmmaker should be, should be pushing towards cultivating a voice. You know, um, I've always been drawn to work that when I watch it, I am I know within five seconds or you know five minutes that okay, this is a so-and-so film. You know, um, you can see a specific frame of a of a film and just know who the you know the filmmaker is. Yeah. Um, and so yeah, I've I've always been drawn, I've always been drawn to those kinds of filmmakers and those kinds of films. Um, and I, you know, if I'm watching something that doesn't really feel like it has a voice behind it or authorship behind it, or it just feels very flat or generic, um, then I probably zone out, you know, um, it's not really the type of stuff that I like um, uh, to watch. So with that in mind, I, I really did set out um, intentionally to cultivate um, a clear voice um, and it, oftentimes I feel like it's not something you're fully in control of. Um, mm. It's something that's sort of just, you know, you fall on and it's like, okay, so these are the sorts of stories I tell. 
Um, and, you know, if you're fortunate enough to be um, a Nolan or a Tarantino or, you know, a Coen Brothers where that voice you have um, will garner a, an extremely wide audience, then, you know, then, okay, great, you know, you're, you're very fortunate. But I, I, I always feel like just do just follow the voice and your audience will come in. It may be, a, it may be, you know, a, a really tiny audience. Yeah. Um, but I think, I think, I think one should just be truthful to themselves um, as filmmakers and not be chasing um, um, and not, I'm not, I'm not trying to do things that aren't, that isn't truthful to, uh, to, to the voice. Um, I, th I think that's. I think that's the. I think that's the most important thing. And I think the more truthful you are, the more longevity you'll have. Yeah. Um, I, I feel the more you will resonate with people who do like the work. Um, so yeah. Okay, and um, I mean, from the different short films you've made, you've gotten selections at some of you know, the biggest festivals around the world. Um, you know, how has, you know, going to these festivals and interacting with the audience, like, how has that been, you know, in kind of, in terms of, you know, like, okay, finding your audience and finding people that, you know, appreciate what you're doing? Um, it's been a great experience, I'd say. Uh, I feel... There's a whole wide world out there um, with a lot of brilliant filmmakers. And I, I, I feel like that's where, you know, I, I really feel, I guess, most at home in a way, because um, for me, it's where the best filmmakers are, you know, um, or the best sort of up and coming filmmakers are, you know, um, I feel they go to these places. I feel, you know, they're pushing in these corridors. Um, and I feel like uh, with my film rehearsal, when I made it, uh, you know, um, when I had finished it, I still wasn't quite sure. But to to have gone into so many different competitions and to be able to compete, you know, um, was something that, um, you know, it gave me a whole bunch of confidence um, maybe I was on the right path, uh, so to speak. Um, oh, no, there's, there's so many international festivals. Um, uh, there's opportunities for like funding grants, labs, um, uh, international co-productions and just, you know, seeing the wider film industry as well. I feel, you know, Nigeria tends to be quite insular and it's inward looking. Um, yeah. Uh, and I, I feel like uh, I feel like yeah, you can do that, but it's also cool to be outward looking as well. You know, I, I really, I really do want my films to be watched by as many Nigerians as possible. But at the same time, I you know I, I feel like uh, cinema should be uh, cinema. You know, should be told in as universal a vocabulary as possible. You know, I, I, I don't, I don't think um, sort of trying to make cinema for um, oh, that in a vocabulary that only, uh, you know, it, um, 
a small demographic on the global stage will understand. Mm. Uh, for me, that it doesn't it doesn't doesn't make any it doesn't make any sense. You know, maybe because I grew up watching a lot of international cinema, and um, it was sort of easy to understand the, the various vocabularies around around the world. Um, and there's something unifying, you know, uh, um, about uh, watching something, you know, from uh, um, Korea or um, Eastern Europe and um, being able to really connect to it, you know, in a way. Um, so, no, yeah. Okay. All right, let's, let's talk about um, Surreal 16 Collective. Um, how did you and um, CJ and Abba, like, how did it happen? How did it start? I met CJ Obasi uh, Afrif, I think in 2014. I, I had a copy of a short film that I made called Sunedja. And mm. I just, you know, I just said, oh, check out this film that I made. You know, it wasn't released anywhere. So I think he was one of the first people to see it. And he was just like, yeah, I love this. Um, and I think uh, I met uh, Abba Makama soon after through CJ or I can't remember if we met on the online first and we just thought formed a group and I guess we got talking about ideas, um, you know, um, about film, about cinema, about where we were as an industry and on a sort of intellectual level, you know, um, and yeah, we decided to form a collective in, in 2016 and um, based on like the Dogma 95 um, a cinema collective. Uh, we set about um, creating like guidelines and rules that would kind of govern the the films we made, um, and it was really a kind of response to the industry. Uh, so yeah. Okay, and um, what are some of these um, guidelines from the manifesto? And is this something that you guys regularly update, or you guys are still with the original? you know, um, manifesto points. The rules and guidelines, the 16 rules and guidelines have remained the same. We've updated the actual um, uh, white paper. We wrote like a paper, like an essay. Um, uh, we we updated a, a different version. I, I think it's due for like another update. Um, we, we also occasionally sort of post um, um, uh, like things we want to achieve um in the white paper uh, so i believe there's like a, a television series for juju stories that we're trying to get off the ground and uh and then another anthology feature film um sort of like more um dates on our annual film festival okay for the film festival is this a way of um you guys kind of encouraging other artistic voices Yes, absolutely. Um, yes, um, absolutely. Um, I, I, I feel like when I started making films um, around 2013, 2014-ish, um, I felt there was a real kind of dearth of um, peers um, who were like deeply into cinema, you know, um, uh, like uh, right, real like deep cinephiles, people really interested in the history of cinema who, you know, wanted 
to go back and watch as much as possible and know as much as possible about sort of the history, you know. Um, for whatever reason, I just felt like that didn't exist. I, I, I got the general sense that it was like, um, I know um, what I know on, you know, there's, there was like very little knowledge of anything prior yeah. to something sort of the 1990s, you know, um, maybe they've seen Star Wars in the 70s, you know, and um, so yeah, I, I had, I, had, I felt like um, I had to find people who probably, who sort of shared that same um, idea of really studying cinema, you know, um, uh, and I feel like I talk to, I, I, you know, less so the millennials, I feel like the new generation, they're, they're really, you know, the ones I've spoken to anyways, more so than my peers. They're very, very deep. Um, you can have like serious discussions about, you know, 50s or 60s or 70s, you know, cinema and, and about directors from that period. And yeah. I'm very, very, very keen to learn, you know, and I, I, I'm really sort of excited about this kind of new generation that's coming through because um, I, I feel like they, they have a real sort of thirst for knowledge and um, a willingness to kind of know what's come before them um, and um, and just a sort of love of cinema, you know, a love, an absolute love of it, you know, um, and don't see like going back and watching old black and white films as something like a, as like a chore, you know, yeah. why should I do that? I don't need to do that. I don't need to do that. I can just, yeah. So no, I, I definitely find amongst the Gen Z the more people, more more individuals that um, uh, I share a lot of the same kind of uh, ideas and values with. Okay. And, um, why why is it important to you know study kind of study or watch you know um, some of these um, films from the fifties, the sixties? Like, what perspective does it give a filmmaker? I think it just makes you better, you know. I feel like, you know, um, I think it makes you better. And, like, if you... If you're a cinematographer, yeah. right, um, and you're new, and you pick up an old bullet you're going to under you're going to learn the theory of how a camera works better than you can on a digital camera because digital cameras are based on film cameras you know you're going to see how the film moves through the camera at 24 frames per second if you now if you now crank it and slow it down and it's moving at 10 frames per second you know what difference you know what difference is that going to make to the image um once you put it on, on on the screen and if you crank it up to 60 frames a second and it's moving 60 frames a second through that thing um through the viewer um it's going to have a different effect right so but if you see, if you see it if you see the way it works mechanically um you know, theory-wise, it's really easy to understand. So when you now jump into, um, you know, your Arri or your Canon camera, yeah. you're sort of, you're playing, you know, with all these settings, it's easy to sort of understand and make sense of why 
um, um, cameras work, you know, the way they do. Um, the same way if you like jump on a steam back, you know, um, I don't know if you know those sort of old editing machines that they yeah. sort of edit a uh, film and you can splice and take things together. So if you, you know, if you jump on one of those, like as an editor, um, you kind of now understand how a lot non-linear edit, edit system works, whether it's Premiere you're using or DaVinci, you know, uh, to edit your film. Hmm. Um, but what, what, once you see how it works physically, um, you're better off for it uh, once you jump in um, digitally. I, I think you're, I think you're just much, much better off um, for it. And um, but that's just like one tiny um, uh, uh, example. And also, it's just to see, um, you know, what's come before. You, you know, you learn a lot, you know, by staging and about mm -hmm. staging. Sorry, about camera work and um, about what's possible. Um, when I first watch uh, um, uh, Godard's work, uh, um, Band of Outsiders, yeah. um, uh, um, I, I saw things for the first time in that film. I've been watching films my entire life. I think I was like 17 yeah. when I watched that. Um, uh, I think there was a point in the film where they cut off the soundtrack and they said, let's take a minute silence and you know, everything goes silent, you know? And I was, I'd never seen anything like that in a film before. I didn't even know it was allowed. You know, I was like, is that allowed? Are you allowed to do this stuff? Mm. Um, so no, it's, it's, I just feel, I mean, one doesn't have to go back and watch a lot of stuff, uh, a lot of like old black and white films. Um, I just feel there should, there should be a passion for something, you know? Um, Cause you know, why are you doing it? I had a good friend who, only watched um, Hollywood films, you know, um, back to the, about the eighties and nothing really before then, but he was like an expert in it. You know, you have people who only watch horror films and they're like experts in the genre and stuff. Um, but, you know, if, you, if you're going to be a filmmaker, I just expect you to you know, be extremely knowledgeable about cinema. You know, yeah. I, I guess that's just my own um, kind of expectation and, and there's no one way to do it you know, mm. at the end of the day yeah yeah all right so at this point um can you mention three random facts about yourself that not many people know okay i'm i'm an avid gamer i like gaming playing um uh, uh video games um i'm a big fan of all things sort of techie and especially like web free sort of things, um, I guess. Um, and lastly, I'm a big fan of like uh, science fiction, like um, whether it's a movie or novels or um, games or whatever. Um, yeah, big, big, big science fiction fan, um, especially the subgenre cyberpunk science fiction. Um, so yeah, I'm very big on that as well. Okay. Uh, um, should we expect a science fiction film from you? Yeah, um, absolutely. Definitely. I, I've been thinking about how to sort of do a Nigerian science fiction film for a really, really, really long time. Um, and sort of trying to work out how that would look like and how it would feel like. And um, yeah, 
I've kind of done science fictiony things, not quite there, you know, with like loop count, you know, um, yeah. but um, yeah, uh, but no, like a real sci-fi thing, yeah, yeah, definitely. Okay. Um, with with rehearsal, um, there was no score to it, and then you know, with your own part of the Juju Stories love portion. There was like a kind of really beautiful score for you. Um, like, how do you decide when your film needs a score or not? Um, when I finished rehearsal, I sent it to a couple people. I said, I think, what do you think about sort of music? And they both said, I don't think it needs music. And I was like, cool, because I, I agree, you know. Um, and with Juju Stories, um, we had a composer. Um, yeah, I feel like it was definitely something that needed music uh, um, for it. I, I, you know, I, each project is different, I guess. I could put it that way. Um, okay. Um, your um, short film, Rehearsal, you know, it won a the grand prize at the Oscar Qualifying Festival. How how was that? Was it, Were you expecting it? Um, to be honest, with some other festivals, I'd look at the lineup and I'd look at the other films and I'd be like, okay, do I have a chance? Um, and I'd be hoping. When I got to uh, Switzerland for this festival, uh, it didn't actually ever cross my mind. Um, there were so many films there. I had brilliant filmmakers, even in my um, strand, my yeah. program strand of like five, six films. Some of the films were, you know, truly incredible. I think one premiered at San Sebastian, mm. one premiered at Cannes, um, one premiered um, at Locarno, you know. Um, mm. So, and, and then there was mine, you know, and that was just in my strand. And I think there was like 50 odd films in competition. Yeah. If I, I think, I'm not sure. Um, so, yeah, I, I wasn't expecting that. No, not, not in the slightest. Um, so yeah, it was a it wasn't a, a pleasant surprise. It truly hadn't even crossed my mind. I'm not even joking. Um, so yeah, yeah, and um, you know, the fact that it won that award meant that you know it made the the short film category for the Oscars. Um, of course, there's like a pre-selection. Do you know how many how many votes it got? I mean, I know it didn't, it didn't make the final shortlist, but do you know whether I got any votes during that pre-selection? I don't think there's any way to find that out, to be honest with you. Um, yeah. You just submit and they, and that's it. Like, and then they give you, and then they um, release the um, shortlist, I believe. Um, yeah, I don't think there was any way to find that out. Again, I, I wasn't expecting to uh, make it. I know what it takes to sort of run an Oscar campaign and um I yeah I I wasn't I didn't run any kind of campaign and I didn't have the budget for that and it wasn't part of my strategy with the film I didn't go in thinking about I was going to win an Oscar qualifier and run an Oscar um uh campaign so yeah um the to run an Oscar campaign is you know orders of magnitude higher than my budget you know uh, even for a short film yeah. Um, so, um, yeah, that uh, it, it wasn't. It was highly unlikely that it was uh, going to happen. Mm. I don't know if, if any, if I got a single vote. Um, yeah. Yeah. So no, no idea. 
Okay. And um, you, you made rehearsal and now you're developing it into a feature film called Galatians. Yeah, correct. Um, uh, I'm sort of advanced on the screenplay, um, pretty much done. I'm talking to a few people um, about to um, attend a very high profile lab. Um, okay. um, yeah, so fingers crossed I can shoot this year, unlikely. But may, perhaps next year. I'm not in. I'm not in any kind of rush with it. You know, yeah. I just really want to get everything right. I I want to make a film, um, the sort of film where I'm like, okay, I gave it my absolute all. I, I wasn't rushing it. I, you know, this is, this is um, me at the absolute kind of peak of my abilities. You know, I want to get the budget. I don't want to be looking back and saying, oh, well, I couldn't do this or I couldn't do that. Um, so I want to make that film where I can look back and watch it up on the screen and be, okay, this is me at my absolute peak. Cause I don't feel like, I don't feel like I've ever, um, been anywhere near, um, what I can create. I always feel like there's something kind of, uh, getting in the way of that, um, yeah. uh, up to, up to rehearsal. Rehearsal is probably the closest I've got to it. Um, but even then there was like a bunch of stuff I had to cut out, um, uh, just because of things I wanted to do, but I had to, uh, I couldn't do it because of, um, time and scheduling and stuff like that. Yeah. Um, but uh, yeah. I mean, you know, that, um, films are not created in isolation. Um, there are different things that trying to get your attention as as a filmmaker trying to make films one of it is you know um i mean for you you make you know kind of art house um films and then you have to also have to balance that with you know kind of would i say maybe um making making money to pay your bills and all that like for you how do you balance balance that and kind of yeah get ahead and also you're trying to find funding for your films how do you balance all that i've never really worked in the film industry um i started off um at a relatively young age i think i started working on film sets at about 17 years and i worked on a lot of short films short films it's like runner and i worked on uh i worked on feature films worked at bbc films um films from uh made by bbc i made you know relatively big budgeted stuff i've worked on itv films um uh and i, I knew very early on that the film industry is not something is not it's not film sets are not places that i really want to be mm. uh, much. I'm not fond of them. I don't like, you know, the crazy long hours. Um, uh, I don't like film sets, you know. Um, uh, I, I, want, I want to be a writer. I want to be a director. You know, I don't need to necessarily be here after a while. You realize I don't really need to be on these film sets. Yeah. Great for making contacts and stuff. I mean, you can rise through the ranks. Um, I think if, you, if you're crew or um, you want to be a DOP or whatnot, I think it's probably necessary, you know. Um, to get that experience but yeah it's definitely something I've realized that I didn't want to do so I, I've always just done other stuff outside of film and then kind of just like okay um, I've got a bit of cash let me uh, make something um, so and 
you know, there's lots of other stuff that I want to do. You know, like I don't, I don't want, I don't want to only make films. You know, I there's lots of other things that I'm really into and want to create. And you know, um, uh, the artists of old would um, be able to like draw and paint and mm. sketch, but they would also be able to you know design bridges and build bridges and build buildings and um do other things you know it's like nowadays if you're an artist it's like all you do is like yeah not, not fair you know, i, I want to build things as well i want to create other things um you know i have dreams and ambitions in other fields as well not just uh film and i've always kind of been that way um i love cinema i love film i love creating that uh, things in that domain but there's other areas that I want to create in as well and other things that I want to do and other things I want to build. Um, so, um, yeah, film is my first love. Uh, film is my first love, but yeah, That's I don't want to only, love. I don't, yeah, yeah, exactly. I don't want to only just, uh, um, uh, make films. Okay. All right. So, um, let's say you are, you are stuck on an Island and, um, you only had one, um film to watch over and over again which film would that be i i have no idea choose <laughs> I, I i don't know um yeah i i, I uh, something fun something like really fun uh, yeah. um, maybe something like a um maybe something like home alone you know i watched that film a lot when i was growing up yeah um so I think it may. I think a film like that has a lot of uh, rewatch value. You know, it's yeah. funny. It's fun. Um, I think it's on pretty, pretty much every Christmas in most countries. Mm. So yeah, Home Alone. You know, maybe Home Alone. Macaulay Culkin. Okay. All right. So let's talk about your debut feature film, The Man Who Caught Tattoos. Yeah. So um, you know, how did you? stumble on the idea for that film the the man who cuts tattoos is based on a short film i made called uh born um and i shot it in 2019 i i it went to world premiere at london film festival um i had a bunch of stuff sort of lined up for it um i think early 2020 and i think that's kind of like when covid and all the shenanigans involved with that yeah kicked into overdrive and it kind of um slowed its uh let's say its momentum somewhat yeah. and then during 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 like covid i just started you know re-strategizing so to speak i i'd, I'd kind of look back at my career my film career i fell into a, a, a mild depression sort of a post-film blues and um i just thought you know mike you know i need to do something um and what i'm going to do is i'm just going to go back to the drawing board i'm not going to stay at the drawing board for very long i'm going to make one short film and i'm going to get as much resources as i possibly can onto the short film i'm going to make it i'm going to submit it to film festivals for the first time, I'm really going to do a proper festival run. I'm going to see where it takes me. Yeah. And then after I've done this short film and the festival run, I'm going to do a feature film. And I'm going to see where that takes me, you know. 
And so, yeah, that's kind of what I what I got out of uh, the man who cuts tattoos. And I, I, in the end, you know, people often ask me about it. Like, oh, where is the man who cuts tattoos? And I'm just, I'm more just like, yeah, I just kind of left it. You know, I left it in the sand. Um, not because I, I, I really hate it or anything like that. Um, I just feel like um, I should have spent more time one developing it and two um, of raising funds properly for it uh, instead of doing like the micro budget thing. Um, so I just sort of looked at it and thought, okay, these are the mistakes I've made. Um, I'm not going to waste too much more time on this. Uh, one day, maybe I, I'll remake it, you know, or Monday, I'll, maybe I, you know, someone will come in or I'll try and get it released as it is. Um, yeah. But uh, yeah. Okay. So like, um, which directors kind of inspire you? Yeah, I'm a big fan of um, Chris Nolan. Um, uh, when I was young, he was like w one of the first filmmakers that I really, really loved. Um, uh, especially after I watched Memento, it was my favorite film for a very long time. Um, so yeah, I was a huge fan of his um, uh, when I was sort of like starting out my journey. Uh, also a very fan of like Godard as well when mm. I was kind of starting out. Uh, the usual, you know, the usual suspects. Um, um, also Wong Kar Wai, I was a big fan of his. Truffaut, um, Bergman, um, Robert Bresson, uh, Ozu. Uh, Tarkovsky, just a big fan of just like the, the once you're getting into cinema, just the people um, who are sort of traditionally pushed and well distributed. Big fan of uh, um, Sasako as well on this continent. Yeah. Uh, he's one of my, he's probably my favorite Af African filmmaker, I'd say. Uh, there's a, a Japanese filmmaker who made films in the Japanese New Wave. Um, he's, he's lesser well known, but uh, Yasuzo Masumura. Um, I'm a huge, huge fan of his. He's like a uh, Japanese sort of Billy Wilder, uh, or Billy Wilder is the version of him. Um, but uh, I, I like, I, I'm a big um, They both kind of like genre hop, you know, they do like one genre and then they jump into another genre and then, you know, um, they, they're really good at that. I think anyone who can sort of, you know, jump onto different genres and um, is, uh, it's definitely something, it's somebody, uh, people that I hold in high regard, directors that I hold in high regard. Um, who else? Uh, Shyama, I like Shyama's work. Um, uh, um, there's, yeah, there's a lot of filmmakers I like. I've got, you know, like literally uncountable amount yeah. of like filmmakers I love. I, I, lo I love Hal Hartley's work as well. Um, he's like a 90s sort of. Um, American filmmaker, that sort of indie movement in nineties America is a period that I really like. You know, Spike mm. J, Spike Lee, Spike Lee, uh, Tarantino, um, uh, Linklater, uh, Hal Hartley, and all those guys. Big, big, big fans of that period. Seventies Hollywood as well. I'm a big fan of that period. Yeah. Um, so yeah, um, yeah, just a lot of filmmakers. I, I don't particularly have any kind of one filmmaker that I can cite as being my favorite. I go through, I, I go through phases. Yeah. Okay. Um, yeah. So yeah, you've, um, you know, worked in the, let's say British film industry and 
you have also, I guess, observed and made some films in Nigeria. Um, for you, what would you say the Nigerian film industry can improve upon? I think there are lots of things that can be improved upon. I think like uh, getting standards, uh, like technical standards in place for one thing, you know, um, I don't know if you've the cinema, you know, they put on a Nigerian trailer and it's like almost blowing a hole in your ear, in your eardrum because it's so loud. Yeah. You know, if they just gave, if, if there were just technical standards, like this is this, you know, this is the decibel level that you can't go beyond um, for uh, dialogue. And this is a decibel level you can't go beyond for music. Um, and this is what you can't go beneath. Um, then you would have just generally better standards and especially like cinematography, um, um, like lighting um, and sort of output and grading. Um, if there were just uh, general standards for that as well. Um, so your, your, um, your blacks can't go beneath zero and your highlights can't go above a hundred, you know, um, um, otherwise we'll just not go into accept the, the, the project. I think if they, a lot, if they put technical standards like in work, I think it would really improve um, output. You know, people would be forced to go to individuals who know what they're doing yeah. um, as opposed to people who, who have a laptop and have premiere and know how to press the buttons, you know, um, so I think, I think that'll be one thing I, I feel, I feel, you know, gradually, hopefully, you know, we'll, we'll get there. I, I hope that, um, I don't think barriers to entry are necessarily a bad thing. Mm. I feel like if, 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 as the industry grows and more barriers of entry, you know, the, there'll be more barriers to entry, you know, I, I don't think it's necessarily a bad thing. It just means like, oh, okay, I need to go away and really learn and study and improve, um. Um, so yeah, I, I think technical standards are probably the one thing that I, I hope um, will, will will come into play, um, especially with sound. You yeah. know, um, yeah, I, I, I hope because sound is difficult. You know, it really is. Even for my work, you know, in 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 Nigeria, it's difficult in Nigeria. You know, Nigeria is a very loud place, and we don't necessarily have enough sound technicians who are on that level, you know? Yeah. Um, so yeah. And then the post-production, I'd hope that terms of like post-production facilities, we really improve in that aspect as well. Uh, uh, so yeah. Okay. So, um, you know, how can people keep up with, um, you know, your announcements and your work? Do you have a website or social media? Um, yeah, social media. I do have a website. It's down at the moment. I'm sort of just reworking it. Um, it'll probably be up at some point this year. I just haven't really spent enough time on it. Um, but yes, my social media is Mike Gukin, M-I-K-E-G-O-U-K-E-N. I think I'm mostly on Instagram. I'm on Twitter as well, but I'm not always logged in. Um, so, but I do update those two places, uh, Twitter and Instagram. All right. Thanks, Michael, for coming on the Niger Filmmaker. Thank you for having me. I really appreciate it. Thanks. Thanks. thanks.
we have come to the end of this episode remember to rate and review the podcast you can also follow me on instagram twitter and facebook at selegal film and the podcast at the niger film pod to share your feedback you can now support the podcast by visiting the website to donate see you on the next episode have a good one